Welcome back to Cannons on the Run. Episode 3. I'm Frater Jordan. And I am Frater Jonathan Turba. And we are recording here in Chicago mm-hmm. at the offices of Old St. Pat's. A special edition. We are not at St. Norbert Abbey. Yeah. There's a few things that bring us here. Uh, I guess I can start. Why are we at Old St. Pat's? Well, I'm helping to minister to the teen youth group. And so had a meeting with different young adult team leaders and teen leaders uh, for this retreat we're planning, a freshman-sophomore retreat. Uh, could definitely use your prayers for the freshman and sophomore here in Chicago as uh, we go on retreat. And this is the only time we that fits in uh, on our weekend schedules because Frater Jonathan came down here for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Since I'm up in De Pere, up at St. Norbert Abbey, Jordan and I, being in different places, have to find out when or how we can be in the same place so that we can record. So that was the impetus. I looked at this weekend. It timed out well for when we're going to have the next episode, the one you're listening to. And I was able to come down to Chicago. It also happened to work out really great that I have a cousin who is a music major, music education major at NIU, Northern Illinois University. Relative to Tapir, it's close. So coming to Chicago uh, put me close enough so that I could go over and see that performance. And then also, while I was down here, we could get our uh, our episode recorded. <laughs> so fun. we finally squeaked it in. We squeaked it in after <laughs> talking about and discussing many, many different things. So listeners, you can know that to prepare for this episode, we have talked about everything. We solved no problems, but we talked about a lot of things. Ooh, a lot of things. So we are open-hearted and ready just to share all the things that we discussed. Probably more questions and answers, which is basically what we try to do with you all, is just explore where we're at, where we're learning, and do that together. So we should talk more about what we've been up to lately. Yeah. I Okay, I'm going to go. Can I go? Yeah. It's so fun. I just spent... Hours working on a paper for the Aquinas class that I'm taking as part of my philosophy studies. The irony, it's a paper about happiness and what claims that Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas makes about happiness. Three hours later, I think I had like half of the outline of this paper that I'm trying to write done. So as I'm writing about happiness, I was getting progressively more and more frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) So St. Thomas Aquinas, I love what you write. I love taking this class. I love learning about Aquinas. And at the same time, it's just like I was sitting there. I'm sure I looked crazy to the people in the coffee place where I was working. So I was just talking out loud, trying to like hear what I was reading and trying to process it better. And uh, this is the the, uh, occupational hazard of being an extrovert. Like I'm thinking about it. I can't get anywhere. So I have to talk out loud to myself quietly. (laughs) So anyways, that was really fun. Really great challenge. So I worked on that before we uh, were able to meet to record. So that's where my mind and life goes right now. I was thinking a lot about what St. Thomas Aquinas has written and ethical things in life, moral things in life, since I'm also taking an ethics course. Man, my brain would be fried, and you are still still cruising, man. <laughs> so it's great because it's the opposite for me, is that since I worked by myself for so long, I am like ready to talk for hours. <laughs> so I was super prepped for this now. Yeah. Podcast, got to talk? Great. I'll just go be quiet for three hours, and then I'll be full. I'll be ready. <laughs> Good to go. Meanwhile, you have had a full day here at the church that you're helping out with. You talked about some of it earlier. Yeah, just being with teens and uh, young adults, which help with this youth ministry. It's it's incredible. So I kind of wanted to continue ministry to parallel my academics because I found my first year I was just studying theology, right, working Mm -hmm. on the MDiv. And I found that when I had a conversation 
with one of my mom's friends, who is a faithful Catholic, she started to tell me about her faith. And I had this moment where I'm like, oh my, people believe this. Like in studying God, in doing theology, I forgot this personal experience, the human experience, that mm. that spiritual element of encountering God. So my second year, I ministered at the parish as a part of my academic coursework. This year, the youth minister, Courtney, gave me the opportunity to continue working with the teens. And it's a beautiful experience to hear their faith and to see them take ownership in their faith life and in their spiritual life towards God. Mm -hmm. And for me, that that makes what I'm doing at the seminary at Catholic Theological Union, it gives purpose and makes sense of what the academic component is doing in my life and grounding mm -hmm. it in a human human experience and also being inspired by the future of the church by young people who are on fire with their faith that's awesome yeah yeah the retreat you said is going to be sophomores freshmen and sophomores yeah that's so awesome tons of energy that'll be great yeah it'll be like herding cats <laughs> way different than juniors and seniors <laughs> totally well and i i remember being taught when i was pursuing my education degree you know that real learning in any sense is messy you know, and we actually would read a few examples or like a reflection from a teacher of talking about what was happening in their classroom. And they would talk about the frustration and the, you know, just kind of chaotic feeling that was happening in their classroom. And then realizing that sometimes after those days were the days for the students where they reflected on the most profound learning. Yeah. It's the days when within a structure, we let the learning get messy. So that's where retreats, I think, are really brilliant and beautiful because yeah. it's giving them prolonged time to really go into the messiness of our own growth in faith. You know, when we try to think of a topic for for this podcast, I think there's kind of this tension and this blend between an individual and this and this perspective of a interconnectedness, right? That God is individually working in my life, but then there's also this component of a community or God is working in the world, right? You know, one one exciting thing at least for me, exciting. Other people will find it barbaric. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to uh, what this is now. <laughs> but had fall reading week, fall break to catch up on studies, and I took an opportunity to go hunting, which uh, in, in Wisconsin during this time in October, it's bow and arrow. So it was the first time uh, hunting with bow and arrow. Um, but, but this was a beautiful experience, but also transformative and changing for me in that bow and arrow you have to be very close quiet and still and really have to outsmart the prey um this deer and i ended up getting a deer but i also felt the sense of grief in having to kill a creature and part of god's creation but on the on the same hand it was a moment to give thanks for this creature's life and the sacrifice it unwillingly made mm -hmm. uh, so that I could eat, right? And so, I mean, one of the topics we kicked around is this idea of gratitude and thanksgiving. And so looking at, you know, especially in this uh, season, November, building up to Thanksgiving, this notion of meals, right? Mm -hmm. And so this whole experience changed for me what grace or meal blessing is, what prayer is in that bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, mm -hmm. that modernization of how our society, technology has changed us. It's so easy to forget that things have to be offered 
up to us so that we can live. Whether a plant has to die, a creature, an animal, a, a fish, a cow, mm-hmm. pig, like things have to pass, things have to die so that we may have life. And so with these advancements, right, we're removed from our food, but then we've also become very much removed from the table together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because we're Indeed. we're on the move. We're changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before we dive into that, there's one thing I wanted to share. Coming down to Chicago, I came down late Friday after dinner, so I missed out on the Friday night meal, which consisted of... Venison. Which you uh, had harvested. You had yeah, hunted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was really cool because you got to share this meal together and it just created a fun conversation around that. So what you did also helped provide and bring everyone together. Yeah. It I didn't cool. think of that. But. And I missed out on that meal. Uh, it was it was good. So was speaking good. about missing out on meals, though, you were starting to transition. You were saying, yeah. um, what were you saying? Missing meals, missing the actual meal missing, itself. Missing meals, I mean... Advancements of refrigeration or technology are fast-paced life. I mean, even automobile. You know, a lot of people gripe about instant access to smartphones and things like that, that people are glued to them, that Mm -hmm. uh, we often miss out on opportunities to encounter others or to share and experience an intimacy with others. And it can stem to our family life. Mm-hmm. Pulling up an article from 2015 around uh, the Synod of the Family, Pope Francis had had something to say about this. Right? <laughs> so this is a quote from an uh, article in Catholic News Service. Pope Francis says, A family that chooses to watch TV or play with their smartphones rather than talk at the dinner table is hardly a family, Pope Francis said. Continuing his catechetical series on family life, the Pope reflected on the theme of togetherness, which is manifested at the dinner table. The Pope said that to share a meal, and not just food, but also affection, stories, events, is a fundamental experience. Nice. What's that from? What, uh, it's an article? In... Article at Catholic News Service. Oh, nice. Thank you, Catholic News Service. So when I was growing up, my family, when we gathered for Thanksgiving meals on my mom's side of the family, um, there weren't... There wasn't a table that was big enough for everyone to sit at. So the adults, right? Tons of families do this, I'm sure, right? At large gatherings, there's the adult table and the kids' table, which is great because the kids' table extends like and you're in your 20s <laughs> because it's just really just a generational differentiation, right? But it's still really fun to call it, call it the kids' table. But when we were younger, like middle school, high school even, there was a TV in the room where our table was. And some of us at the kids' table wanted to watch like football or watch something on TV, yeah. right? And it was amazing. Every Thanksgiving, it was on. And there was it was like this intentional knowing challenge of like, we'll just leave it on mute. It's fine in the background. And inevitably, one of us would say, no, no TV. We'd turn it off. And then every Thanksgiving to the point that it just became a ritual. TV on. We'd laugh and all announce, no TV, and then turn it off. And then someone would just smile after we prayed and just look around the table and say, so... What's one thing that you're thankful for this year? <laughs> and everyone's just like, okay, yeah. let's all share. But it was... Uh, TV it, back on, please. <laughs> right, right. It was great. I, I really loved that. Because in being goofy, you know, and some people would say some goofy things about like just thankful for like the food because they didn't want to talk. But that in itself was just great to remind us to be thankful of that. So I, I just I, I smile when you talk about what Pope Francis says. It reminded me of that. But I think one other thing that you said earlier about 
we need to have these shared meals that we encounter one another, you know, this opportunity for intimacy. One other recent story I had of a meal, much more recent in my life, was at St. Willibrard's where I'm working currently. And for Boss's Day, some of the staff decided, hey, let's bring in some food and we'll share a meal and celebrate um, our, our, quote, bosses. Um, but really, it was everyone together coming together to share a meal. So the staff meeting ends, we go upstairs, and everyone temporarily goes a different way to get their food quick from the fridge or from, you know, office where they had it and everything starts to be prepped and immediately just everything is joyful. Everything is loud to some degree because there's just talking going on. Um, they go and they find the other staff members who are working like custodians or down the hallway or, you know, and like, come on over. You got to come to the table. We got to eat together. We're getting plates. People are pouring drinks. Everyone's just offering stuff. Um, the parish is bilingual. So there is English and Spanish just going on constantly. Everyone's talking at the same time. It was like a 30 to 40 minute lunch in the middle of the day, in the middle of a work day. It's a Monday. Everyone's got plenty out in their mind. I just loved that meal. I had so much fun just being present with those people, laughing, talking about whatever. And I remember in hindsight realizing, like, even if any of the things that typically would fight for my attention or I'd get concerned about or worried about things I need to do later that day, later that week, whatever, couldn't even work itself in. No worrying, no stress was even going to be there. Um, I just felt... It just felt wonderful being present with everyone, sharing a meal together. And there's just such joy there. I mean, Psalms talk about it. There's verse about it, that if we really find these pure, joyful moments, we are untouchable from any sort of evil, any sort of bad. It doesn't protect us from everything happening in life. But the actual core of who we are, who God made us to be, is is untouchable. And that happens at a shared meal if we yeah. make the time to let that happen in our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, it says... Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That last part there, so that's verse 7. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I really think that that's what I experienced at that meal at St. Willibrard's with the staff there. Yeah. Was just this focused time where, I don't know, the meal and being present with everyone allowed me to be transformed and my heart open to Christ. Just that relationship coming through one of us or through each other, seeing Christ in one another. And so nothing could get out of my heart. Nothing could pull me away or let me focus too much on anxiety and things. Well, and, and even this whole notion of your your kindness, right? So this meal was kind of like potluck. And so mm -hmm. you you share a piece of yourself in creating a dish mm. uh, to celebrate mm -hmm. uh, with others. That this is actually a part of me you're eating because I created this. And uh -huh. I, it's something yeah. I want to share. That's a great way of saying that. A common question I hear is, I'm sure you do too. Why Why do I need to go to church, right? I can mm -hmm. encounter God in my tree stand. I can encounter God in this symphony, in, mm -hmm. in this walk in nature. And, you know, these are all true things, like a private relationship with God is important. But there's a community component that is also important too. And one of my favorite TV shows is uh, a CBS series, Blue Bloods. So Tom Selleck is one of the main characters, and it's portrayed as this Irish Catholic cop family in New York City, the NYPD. 
And the show always incorporates their Sunday dinner. So every week, the the entire family, you know, grown up, some have kids, but they never miss dinner. They still do dinner even when family members are deceased. Like one of, one of their brothers was killed in the line of duty. Their mom passed away. But the family still comes together to share this meal because it's important, I think, in what Pope Francis pointed to, of not only food, but the stories, the events, the making even of stories and events at this meal. And so taking that, yeah, our individuality, our relationship with God as individuals is important. But then that sharing in that relationship with others is essential. And so why do I go to Mass once a week? Well, it's to be a part of this community and to share in that experience. And what context is this done in a Mass but a Eucharistic meal? Mm-hmm. Like, like meals were important. They're important to us today and our understanding of faith and, and liturgy because they were instituted by Christ. Mm-hmm. And the Catechism summarizes it very well. In paragraph 610, it says, Jesus gave the supreme expression of his free offering of himself at the meal shared with the twelve apostles on the night he was betrayed. On the eve of his passion, while still free, Jesus transformed this last supper with the apostles into the memorial of his voluntary offering to the Father for the salvation of men. This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The Eucharist that Christ institutes at that moment will be the memorial of his sacrifice. That's the beginning of paragraph 611, um, which is exactly what you're talking about then. The Eucharist that Christ institutes at that moment will be the memorial of his sacrifice. And then the resurrected Christ again shares a meal um, in paragraph 645 it starts with by means of touch and the sharing of a meal the risen jesus establishes direct contact with his disciples that he does both of these things immediately before and after the passion it's at a meal i mean if that doesn't point to the meal being at least to some degree really important yeah. <laughs> i don't know what does yeah well, and, and I think going with the meal, and especially around Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving can be a very divisive time for families because you got extended family and everything coming in with different opinions, and mm-hmm. these meals can get pretty heated. Right. Um, and sometimes somebody, some people walk away in anger, and that's not fun, and we don't want that. But meals are also transformative, not only the nourishment from the food, but hopefully uh, nourishment and growth and conversation or or learning to be open or how do I work within these frames of disagreement? Not necessarily having to change my views, but being respectful. And you can be challenging too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think as you were saying that statement that we both agreed on is sharing a meal is transformative, period. You said it originally that way. And the minute you said the word transformative, you know, I just, I felt, yes. Amen. Sharing a meal is transformative. Mm-hmm. I think, at least you and, I, you and I talked about this, you know, the first stuff we're talking about with meals for the first part of this episode is really an ideal way of what sharing a meal does. But it doesn't mean that every single meal you sit down and share goes like that. Like there's yeah. laughter and joy. We all get along and everyone leaves happy and full. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a shared meal yeah. results in chaos or conflict or ripping open old wounds, which... I mean, there's movies with scenes, right, where, like, people are just, like, a large family gathering, decadent meal, and no one's talking to anyone. Because, <laughs> like, the weekend events have just brought up all sorts of old wounds. Right. But what's cool about scenes like that, or in times in our own life when that happens, the silver lining is 
they're still choosing to sit and be present to one another, to sit there and eat this meal together. If you don't do those things, the transformation is never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean it feels great, but if you take the time to do that, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said about a minimalist approach of presence where people often say, I don't get anything from mass. I don't like my family and I don't get anything out of the meal. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just not going to go. So yeah. I don't want to do it. So, right? But then you totally close off an opportunity for encounter mm -hmm. or for transformation or to be there for the other. Mm -hmm. And so while there can be a, a negativity from, from a shared meal experience, there can also be a grace that comes to it if open to that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You had a brilliant line you just said. You miss an opportunity for an encounter. In the Mass, in the meal that we have at Mass in the Eucharist, we miss a chance to encounter Jesus and how the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts to transform us, to make us become who it is God made us to be. If we don't sit at a meal with our family, even if we're in the midst of a fight or just really struggle to even want to be present there, you miss a chance for an encounter with healing, with Jesus. Reconciliation. Absolutely. With how Jesus is working through us, how the Holy Spirit is moving at that table, how God is helping us let go of some of those things maybe to find a better relationship or whatever transformation that needs to take place. If we avoid it, it's not going to happen. It's a mysterious and uh, in some ways uh, un unexplainable topic of Eucharist, of meal. Mm -hmm. um, but there's this human, this earthy groundedness, this real lived experience of encountering God, mm -hmm. whether, whether it be in the Mass or or whether it be at our shared family table. I think even our life, it's important that many of our meals are done together. Yeah. And especially a dinner has been said to be a non-negotiable. And so being there to share and celebrate the day. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Share a meal. Giving thanks and praise to God. Absolutely. Amen. Hey, if you want to hear more about us, then head over to our website, norbertteens.org. And we have a podcast page specifically. So click at the top there. It says podcasts. And you can see the other episodes. And you can read a little bit of, of a bio about each of us. You can see pictures. So you can practice seeing us as different people. <laughs> and subscribe. And subscribe. No, no, seriously. Subscribe uh, so we can get some, some hits. Yeah, spread the word. Share this with your family and friends. We hope that in whatever way speaks to you, we hope your hearts are open at the next shared meal, whether it's Thanksgiving or something else sooner than later, um, that your heart is open to how God is transforming all of us every day in the small and the big meals that we share in the Mass and together in our daily meals every day. I love it. Amen. Amen. Saint Norbert. Pray for us. <laughs> <laughs>